Pastor Javen goes into week two of our champion series today. We often don't like to admit our fears, especially us men, but, but today we're going to battle the inner fear that many of us deal with that attacks our champion spirit. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Going into part two of our champion series uh, this weekend. We said last week that uh, our base for this series over these three weeks, last week, this week, next week, is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. And just to kind of remind you of what Paul is telling the church of, of Ephesus there and telling us, even as, his follow, as Christ's followers today, is just to remind us, our war is a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual battle. Every day of our life, we're in this. But we have to remember that it is not against people. Paul said that to us. It's not against flesh and blood. See, so often in our lives, sometimes what happens is the sin that we know wants to come against us in our life and wants to pull us away from being followers of Christ and the sin that others in this life choose to live in, what we do is we equate the the sinning and make the person the problem. But Paul reminds us our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers of the air that cause that, that are bleeding the sin into our culture around us. But he told us God's given us an armor to put on in our life. And we put that armor on and then we do a very important thing and that is stand. We stand firm in what he has given us and what he's called us to. We said there's things in this life worth fighting for. There's things not worth fighting for. We need to know that scripturally, what God has called us to and what the battle God has given us. But there is a fight for us. And we have been called to be spiritual champions in this life. And God has given us someone and a mission to champion in this life. Now, today is Father's Day. I hadn't forgot it. Happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. Appreciate it. We celebrate you. Um. And because it's Father's Day, I said that this series, I do want to speak with men specifically in mind. Now, ladies, please know, I said it last week, you can be blessed from this series, I truly believe. Even this message today, there is, you will receive from this message today. But just oblige me that even, even as when I say men, you're, you're being talked to too. But I do want to specifically drive this in to our heads today as men, okay? And in this series. And fathers, I do want to remind you some things this morning. I've shared some of this stuff before, but I want to remind you because it's so important that we remember these things. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there are 18.4 million children. That's one in four that live without a biological step or adoptive father in their life. So men, dads, whether you're a dad now, or one day you, you have to be married and become a dad. Don't make this statistic larger. But also, understand, there is a need for us as men to step up. Because there are young people out there that need father figures in their life. Listen to the research that comes in regards to father involvement. Father involvement when a father uses authoritative parenting, this is not uh, abusive parenting. Authoritative parenting. In other words, you provide clear boundaries with love, understanding there's consequences, but there's love involved. 
in the relationship, when that is provide, provided to kids, and to young people, it leads to better emotional, academic, social, and behavioral outcomes for those young people. Children who feel a closeness to their father are more likely to enter college or because not everybody goes to college, they're more likely to find stable employment after high school. Young ladies are 75% less likely to have a teen birth. They're 80% less likely to spend time in jail. And they're half as likely to have, to experience multiple depression symptoms. The quality of a father-child relationship matters more than this specific amount of hours spent together. In other words, what that means is you may not necessarily have to spend a ton of time together, but make the most out of the time you have with your child. And when you spend quality time with them, the research says that even with non-resident fathers, it can have positive effects on a child's social and emotional well-being, as well as their academic achievement and their behavioral adjustments. High levels of father involvement are correlated with higher levels of social ability, confidence, self-control in a child. Children with involved fathers active in their life and everything that they do are less likely, and teachers, you know this, to act out in school and to engage in risky behavior during their adolescence. They're 43% more likely to earn A's in school they're 33% less likely to repeat a grade than those with, without engaged dads. It's important. Psychology Today tells us that these three more statistics for you, when a father is absent and a man is absent from a child's life, 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. 85% of youth in prison have an absent father. 90% of runaway kids have an absent father. Men, your role is so important. Your role as a father is extremely, extremely important. And we have to understand that. And you have to remember that you are important in their life. You're needed. You've been created to be a spiritual champion. You've been given someone in this life to champion. And you have a mission for the kingdom of God to champion in this life. And God wants to create in you a courage that goes with that calling. I want you to jump with me into the book of Judges today. We're going to see a champion being called out in the nation of Israel. But before this champion could be called out and him understand he was a champion, there had to be courage called out in him. He had to have courage for what his calling was in him. Now I know that every man in this room today that we would sit you we would sit here and say, Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. Right, right. That's why it's so quiet, because everybody knows, yeah I am. There's something. There's something that I get a little fearful about. But C. S. Lewis once said that courage is essential to every other virtue in our life. In every virtue that we're trying to instill in our life, courage is essential to those virtues. So let's look in at at this. We're going to look at several scriptures, several verses from uh, the book of Judges today in regards to this man. So let's read it together. Judges chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1. 
Maybe a, a, a historical account that you have heard before. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Very important to understand that. All right, I'm not going to pause on every verse. Please rest easy on that. But I just want us to understand that. God didn't just remove his covering because he wanted to. Because he's unjust. Because he's unfair. The Israelites had made a choice to disobey and do evil. And we know that when we make choices of some things in life, there's consequences. And God points out that I've given you things to obey and to guide you and to protect you and to lead you in this life. And he had told them, don't go against these. But they disregarded his voice. So because they did, God removed his covering. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel camping in the land and destroying crops as far as God, a far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the donkeys. That's their livelihood. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. Now, if you were here last week, that should give you a flashback to Joel the prophet and what he talked about with locusts. Maybe you, if you weren't here, you went back and you listened or watched last week's message online. And I'd encourage you to. But it, it was a prophecy that showed us that just exactly what locusts does, Joel is saying that's what sin does in our life. This is what sin wants to do. It wants to come in and attack everything that we have down to the roots and leave us with nothing. So they arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, as they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He's going to remind them why his covering's gone. And he said, this is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. Remember when I did that for you? I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies. I gave you their land. I told you, I'm the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you haven't listened to me. In other words, I warned you about allowing the culture around you and what your culture worships to bleed into your life. And it affects you as a follower of me. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. Not Oprah. That joke never gets old. Which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty Hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of, uh, out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Gideon's still not getting it. And then the Lord turned to him and said, he just said this, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. 
The Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, going into Gideon's calling, understand what's happening here when he's approached. He's in a wine press, he's threshing wheat. When they, in this day, most of the time, when they would thresh wheat, what they had to do was they would take the wheat and they would throw it up in the air. And the wind would rush through, as, as the wind's blowing, it would blow away all the small and all the light stuff, all the useless parts of the wheat. It would blow it away. The heavy, the good stuff would fall back to the ground. This was a process for threshing this. Now, wine pre- a wine press, it's underground. So that means that if Gideon's trying to thresh the wheat underground in a wine press, it's not as effective as if he was out in the open field in the wind blowing. He's having to work a lot harder to thresh this wheat. And why is he down there doing this? Because he's afraid. He's fearful. He's fearful of what can happen. But we need to understand that when the messenger comes to Gideon and he calls him man of valor, mighty hero. God doesn't speak to Gideon based on what he is in that moment and who he is in that moment, but based on what God is going to do in his life and what God is going to call out in him and bring out in him. Gideon is not called because he is courageous. He's made courageous because of the calling that God places on his life. God looks at a man cowering in fear in a wine press and he calls him a mighty hero. He calls him a champion. And he tells him to stand up. God's not looking at you today and starting with where you are right now or starting with where you were even when you began a relationship with Christ. God is looking at you And he's starting with who he knows you can become in Christ. He knows what you you can become and he wants to call that out in you. Your spiritual enemy is the one that starts with where you are right now and defines you by what you've done in this life and what's going on in you right now. Scripture calls him an accuser for a reason. Look at what John... The apostle John says about him in his end time prophecy in Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 and 11. He said, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated that accuser. How? By the blood of the lamb. Through Jesus' death and resurrection. And what? By your story. Of what God has done in your life. By their testimony. 
They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They were champions spiritually in Christ. They knew who they were. See, if Gideon is hiding in this hole, that means Gideon probably does not feel like a mighty man of valor or a mighty hero. And we see that in the way he responds, not portraying a lot of courage, but some of us spiritually today, we're a lot like Gideon. When it comes to champion the mission that God has called us to champion in this life, we're hiding in a hole. Because we're afraid. We're afraid we're not good enough. We're afraid we're not strong enough in our faith, in the word of God, to stand against the sin that's so prevalent around us in our culture. And we're hiding. But God wants to call the champion out in you. And he wants to build courage on the inside of you. Don't let fear of failure, inadequacy, or not feeling like you are equipped keep you from stepping out in faith. In verse 14, this angel said to Gideon, he said, go in the strength that you have. In other words, God has placed something in you. If we go back to Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, Paul told us, if we go in the strength that we have, we go in the strength knowing that we have been covered from our head down through salvation in Jesus Christ. That his righteousness covers our heart and our soul. That he's given us a belt of truth to gird up everything that needs to be girded. He's given us shoes of peace so that we can walk with. He has strengthened our faith to believe that we are shielded and covered against every attack of the enemy. And he's given us the sword of the word of God to fight with and to stand with. And so we go in the strength that we have. We have his salvation. We have his righteousness. We have his truth. We have his peace. We have faith in the almighty God and we have the word that we stand with. You are equipped and God is preparing you and he's telling and and he wants you to know that he is with you. Gideon, Gideon asked him, he said, you know, he said, He starts with this question saying, you know, why is all this? Why is God allowing all this? No different than how we often are. God, where are you in all of this? Where are you? Why aren't you working? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing anything? And the whole time we're asking God, where are you? God, why aren't you moving? God's up there going, I'm waiting on you. Gideon's asking, where are you? And God's responding back to him. I'm going to work, but I need you to step. Because my work's going to be done through you. And then Gideon asked the question that we, well, well, me, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not equipped. I'm not prepared. And God's answer is the same answer that he would answer us back with today. I am with you. It's the same thing he told Moses. It's the same thing he told every person that he's called. It's the same thing he would tell you. I'm with you. And as Paul said to the church of Rome, if God is with us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter. There can be a lot of people against us, but what Paul's saying is it doesn't matter because nothing can come against the word of God and what he's done. His truth will always prevail. 
you have the opportunity to be the hands and the feet of God in your generation. And with those that you have the opportunity to speak into their life. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. God's power, we've said in the last several weeks, has not ceased to work in our lives. He works through those who will allow him to work through him. Am I saying God can't work miraculously with outside of his people? No, I'm not saying that. And I believe that God still does that. But God has sent his Holy Spirit, not just to be a good counselor for you to give you direction in your life. He does that, but that's not the only reason. He sends his Holy Spirit, not just for you to have peace in your own life. He does that, but that's not the only reason. God doesn't send his Holy Spirit just so he can help you live on your best behavior. He does that as you walk with him, but that's not the only reason that his Spirit is here. God sends his spirit to empower you for his glory. And so we can recognize that God is with us, but because of the Holy Spirit, not just that God is with us, God is in us. Imagine if we faced every situation that we face in this life, believing God is with me. God is in me. Courage comes from us following God, even in the midst of fear. And this is what Gideon is seeing. And Gideon went on to try to have God prove that he was with him. And he throws out these two different fleeces two different times, asking God to show he's with him in two different ways. And if you've ever been told, well, you need to throw a fleece out. That's what this is referencing. That's, it's coming from this passage of scripture. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having prayerful confirmation in your life and decisions that you're going through and praying that God will give you confirmation from things. But you know today, I'm going to tell you how you know today that God is with you. You know today that God is with you because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Our courage comes from the presence and the promises of God that are given to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did. He gives us the courage to be the champion that he's calling us to be and to champion those in our life that he's given us and the mission that he's called us to. But like he said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week, it starts in the home. Jump with me to verse 25. Judges 6. It says, That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel for the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants, did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of the father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. 
bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must, he must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But I love Gideon's dad's response. Even though Gideon's dad was guilty of allowing these things in his home. I love his response. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who come to tear down his altar. And from then on, Gideon was called Jerob Baal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. You see where Gideon's having to start, right? He's having to start in his home. And again, we see the struggle that Gideon has with full-on bravery because he does it at night. But maybe it was smarter, too, because he knew that people would attack him as he tried to do it. But your obedience is more important than how brave your actions look. Obedience is the most important thing. That's what we have to remember. And it's in, it's in this situation that the son is the one that brings the idols down in the home. Dads, don't let your children have to be the ones to call out the idols in your home. But young people, don't be afraid to set the example for Christ in your home if it has to be you. God's Holy Spirit will strengthen you to set that example. We need to understand, though, too, for Gideon and his family, these idols were not things that they worshipped instead of God. They were things that they worshipped in addition to God. They had never rejected God. They had just added things to their worship, things that they believed guaranteed other things in their life, like rain, fertility, and things of these nature. These were gods that would, were, were supposedly, in their culture, were supposed to bring that for their life. So it wasn't God's in a, in, in, instead of or in place of, it was God's in addition to. As followers of Christ, sometimes we can be very guilty of that. Because God is supposed to be first and foremost in the center, center part of our life. But we will add things that we think they're going to bring us what we're not getting from God. But before God uses you in the mission, he has got to go to work on what is inside you, standing in the way of him being first and foremost in your life. You cannot do battle with the enemies on the outside of you until you have done battle with the enemies on the inside of you. So start in your life, start in your home and make sure Christ is the center of it. But let's jump into chapter seven real quick. Because we start in the home and we start there, but we see that there's things outside of the home that needs to be confronted as well. And these are things that, this is something that is very difficult to do for us to do oftentimes. Genesis, or Judges 7, verse 1. So Jerob, Baal, that is Gideon. Notice too that now his identity is changing. He's no longer the, the coward in the hole threshing wheat. He's now the one that stood against the gods that they worshiped. And his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. 
If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Again, we sang it this morning. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Therefore, tell the people, whoever's timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. <laughs> so 22,000 of them said, yep, that's me. I'm a little scared right now. I'm, a, I'm out. Peace out. So it left only 10,000 willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I'll test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water and drink from their hands. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. So the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I'll rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. This is so important. And this is one of those things that we often don't want to do in our life. But there are some people in your life that you have got to release from your life until they are ready to fight the same battle that you are fighting. Listen, you don't have to abandon them completely. Notice he sent them back home into their tents and to their family. He didn't tell them, get out. You're not an Israelite. You're not worthy of anything. You're not worthy of my attention. You just can't fight this battle with me. There are people that you cannot allow to be a voice in your battle. So Gideon, God's getting Gideon to a place where he has to stop relying on anything else other than God. God's got to be it. God's got to be first and foremost. God's got to be the one that I'm pursuing for everything in my life. And he's getting him to a place where he is moving people out of his life that are going to pull him away from what God is doing in his life. And then Gideon... God calls Gideon or Gideon calls those with him to go forward to champion the mission that God has given him. Let's look one more time back at Judges chapter seven, verse 16. Let's see what happens. He divided the 300 men into three groups and he gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. And then he said to him, keep your eyes on me. And when I come to the edge of the camp, do just what I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too. All around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men were, who were with him. So you got Gideon and his hundred men. You got another group of hundred men over there. Another group of hundred men over there. They reached the edge of the Midianite camp and suddenly they blew the ram's horns. They broke their clay jars and then all three groups, all 300 men blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands and they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Notice. And when they did that, it says that the, 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 the armies, the Midianite armies began to fight against themselves. 
they turned on one another, killing each other. But I want you to notice today that the purpose of God advanced when? Did it advance when the, when the people of God got on the offensive and they advanced? No, it advanced when they stood their position and they held up a sword, a sword for the Lord. What did Paul tell us in his church, in his letter to the church of Ephesus? Put on the whole arm of God, go in the strength you've been given and stand. Stand firm in your convictions. Stand firm in the word of God. Don't cower. Don't be afraid. Don't let it be tainted by the culture around you. And I imagine these guys were probably a little afraid even still as they did this. But your courage is not about the absence of fear. Your courage is about trusting God is with you and in you as you stand on what he's given you. Don't abandon your post. Don't let the fear of inadequacy, the fear of failure, the fear of inability keep you from championing the people and the mission that God has called you to champion in this life and to fight against sin that wants to attack the generations to come. God's put people in your life for a reason. He's given you a mission for a reason. Don't think I can't do this. I'm not, I don't know the word of God strong enough. Listen, guys, we are, we are unbelievable at remembering how to fix things. Some of us, some of you, we are unbelievable at remembering statistics in the sports world and who won a championship when, and who did this then and what happened on the golf course 10 years ago and what that whole looked like. We are so unbelievable at remembering things like that. I know without a doubt that if we can remember those things, we can remember what's in this. It's not about you being a incredible theologian who is smarter than anybody else. It is just about you knowing what's in the word of God and standing in that word. I'm reminded of John chapter nine and what happened with a blind man and he was healed and the Pharisees couldn't, it was, it was baffling them. And they knew that this man was blind for a reason. He had to be blind because of the sin in his life. He had to be blind because of what his parents did. It was something for that. But now all of a sudden you can see, and you're saying Jesus did it and all this. And, and they're questioning everybody. The Pharisees questioning him. They're questioning his parents. And finally the blind man steps up and he looks at him because he can see now. And he says, listen, I don't know. I can't tell you everything about Jesus at this moment. I can't tell you everything about the past. I can't tell you everything about what's going to happen in the future. All I know is this. I once was blind. Now I see. You don't have to know everything. All you have to know is I once was driven by alcoholism, but now... I'm not anymore. I once was addicted to porn, but now I'm not anymore. I once had this problem. Once I slept with every woman I could get around, but now 
I don't have that problem. I once was this way, but now I'm this way. How? All I can tell you is Jesus did something in my life. He changed me. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. Your battle's already been won because he defeated death, hell, and the grave. When he gave his life on the cross, he went into the pit, as Paul told us, where? In Ephesians. And he defeated death and hell. And then he rose again and he ascended. It was by the blood of the lamb that the victory's all been, already been given. What do you need to do? You just need to tell your story. Just tell them what God has done and don't forget it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't let him do something in your life in this moment and then go back right back into the cultural activity that you were in before it when you needed him. That's what the Israelites did over and over and over again. God, we need you. God, we need you. God rescues them. Well, I'm just going to go right back over here. He freed me. I'm going to go right back over here. Don't do it. Do not be afraid to tell others what God is doing and has done in your life. Don't be afraid of your family not understanding. Listen, I see it all the time. People, we got to get, we got to get back in church. We got, we didn't, we didn't ever go to church. We didn't do all this. We, we did this and we did this. Yeah, I know. But I once was this way. Now I'm this way. Jesus did something in my life. He works through his church. We're going to be there. Don't be afraid of your family not understanding. Don't be afraid of people walking away from your life because of the changes that you want to make. Step out in his anointing, in his power, in his strength, and trust that he is with you. Stand firm on his word and what he's given you and what he's called you to. And stand firm against the sin that is so prevalent in our culture around us so that your family and those that you have the opportunity to champion in this life. No, listen, those things are just going to want to rob from you and destroy your life and ruin you and bring you to a place where you are stripped bare away from everything. We are going to stand. Even if the culture doesn't understand, even if they think we are against them, we are not. We are just standing on the word and on him. Stand firm. Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the victory we have in Christ. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is with us. God, I thank you for the so many stories that are in this room that I once was blind, but now I see. And Father, I thank you that even in this moment, there's people in this room that know they need to have that story. They know they need to have that testimony because there's things in this life that they know is blinding them. But Father, only you can rescue them. Only you can free them. Let that day be today. Father, help us stand firm. And God, as we take a step of obedience, we say to you today, we trust you. 
because we know that the victory is in you. And today, God, as we take our step of obedience, we scream, we, 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 we sing out to you, God, we need a miracle from you. We need you to work. As we stand our ground, God, we trust you to move on our behalf. And we thank you for it today. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.